Hello and welcome to Spotlight Christmas Special 2023. I'm Liv Dempsey. I'm joined by my usual co-host, Matt. Hello. Ho, ho, ho's. <laughs> oh. Yes, hello. <laughs> Merry Christmas from us all here at Spotlight. We're here for another Christmas special. Last year, we covered the Canterville Ghost. My God, that was here, wasn't it? That, that was still that, here. That was still here. haunted by it to this day. Yeah, well, we had a real-life haunting occur <laughs> mid-recording at one point. I'm um, sorry, I'm just having an out-of-body experience at how that was like a year ago now. Well, it's because, I'll tell you why you, you can't work out. It's because there's literally been at least 78 Canterville <laughs> Ghost adaptations since then. There's one in theatres right quick. now. Like, it... Uh, I think that's one of the discoveries we made after recording that post, how many times that has been adapted. It now seems to be like on every actor's kind of wish list, I must play the character kind of guys <laughs> at some point. Maybe we'll crack it. Yeah. I have no idea why. Um, <laughs> in today's Christmas special, we are doing an episode of On Screen, the thread of our podcast, where we look at a TV show um, featuring a iconic member of the Star Trek cast from any one of the classic TV shows in a guest appearance or a regular appearance in another iconic TV show. This time... <laughs> iconic. Uh, iconic. Emmy <laughs> <laughs> award winning. Uh, yeah, Emmy award winning. A popular, successful TV Certainly show. Certainly a show that existed in the noughties. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. And like, you know, like Paul pointed out, <laughs> Emmy award winning and one of those Emmys went to our Star Trek connection today, William Shatner, Captain Kirk himself. Twice, I think. Yeah, possibly, I possibly. Think for, for this season, first season and for... I don't know. Well, I don't know which one. We watched his acceptance speech, didn't we? Which was very kind of disappointing. That must have been for the season four one, because he was like, oh yeah, I've never seen David B. Kelly. He doesn't talk to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know (laughs) why he would get an Emmy for season four, as we'll move move on to that. (laughs) But basically, we decided to take on Boston Legal. Uh, So obviously, William Shatner... Captain Kirk himself, I'd, I'd say that's probably what he's most famous for. But he has been the star of a couple of other TV shows. TJ Hooker, which mm-hmm. he was in, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point. Where he plays a streetwalker? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that would be an interesting show. <laughs> so he got the fish nest for this one. <laughs> but he was also the lead, um, I would say, like of that kind of trifecta of shows of his that were successful. It's Star Trek, T.J. Hooker, and this, Boston Legal, where he played Denny Crane, which is David E. Kelly's legal dramedy, comedy drama sort of thing. Um, David E. Kelly is a man who created a litany of legal dramas in the 90s and early noughties. The D.E.K.U., if you will. Yeah, essentially, because they are all interconnected. So he was the showrunner of Ali McBill, The Practice... Boston Public and Boston Legal. I mean, I've never heard of those two middle ones. So, so four shows that all interconnect. Some of them cross over. Some of them are spin-offs from the others and stuff like that. So Ali McBill crossed over with the practice. Boston Legal was a spin-off from the practice. So all kind of connects together. And that kind of brings us to today's guest star. And we brought her on board because... She is one of the co-hosts of the Bygones podcast, which is the only and the best Ali <laughs> McBill podcast. Not just the best because it's the only. <laughs> 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 Ali McBill podcast available. Hello, 
Eleanor. Oh. And of course, you've joined us before. Yes. To many years right ago. Right at the beginning. Right near the beginning to discuss the first JJ Star Trek film. Yeah. Uh, which was great. That was an amazing episode. And we brought you back to take on Boston Legal because, obviously, like I say, you host Bygones and you are now deep into the fourth season of yes. I Knew It Bill. You've been on a bit of hiatus, but you are coming yes. back to complete the we fourth will. and then we promise. the fifth season <laughs> as well. No, it's a, yeah. a great show. I've been on a couple of times and yeah. Matt's been on yeah. as well. It's a really, really fun show where you dissect each and every episode of Annie McBeal, one episode at a time. Yeah. And you kind of essentially look at this, what was a, a groundbreaking or considered to be a groundbreaking show at the time through yes. a sort of 2023 lens, essentially. Yes. Yes. That was, I mean, obviously you started in 2018, so you're looking for the 2018 <laughs> lens then. But now... There has not been a 2023 lens yet. Yeah. Yeah. When, you do, when you do a new episode, you'll be looking at for, a, for a 2023 yes. lens. And this was because you were a fan of the show growing up. Yeah. And you decide to revisit it with your sister, yeah. LJ. Yeah. And how did it hold up? Uh, mixed bag. Uh, there's still a lot to like about it. Lots of things that are very funny. The the music in it is great. Like there's there's a lot to that's very silly and fun about it, but there it also comes with a big healthy dollop of terrible nineties <laughs> politics and attitudes and yeah which can be extremely jarring and uh yeah like i feel like boston legal definitely you can <laughs> you can tell it's the same creator <laughs> carries the torch <laughs> yeah exactly and Bill, when did that start 98 or 99, that was 97? i think it was 97 so it's 97? like i think so yeah so over half in the 90s and the back end in the noughties yeah, it, it was like i think it ended in 2003 is my memory Maybe. Yeah, 2002, Two. 2003, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Like something, yeah. So it was literally the end of a millennium, the beginning mm. of the dawn of a new one. And then... Yeah. Uh, and David Kay is determined to bring the office politics of the 90s into the noughties. Unchallenged. And I should mention, of course, that you have, through your podcast, a Star Trek connection of your own. Because yes. when you were covering season one of Alien Bill, so pretty early on yeah. in your tenure, I think it's like the tenth episode, maybe. Yeah. Um, there's an episode of Alien Bill. I, I would say probably one of the most celebrated episodes of the show mm. called "Boy to the World." Yeah. Which guest stars a certain Wilson Cruz, okay. now obviously uh, Doctor Culver in Star Trek Discovery, and uh, he plays a trans sex worker. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, obviously something that. A casting that would not be made today, <laughs> I, I, I would think. But at the time, um, it was. This was the 90s. And they did that episode. And when you reviewed that episode, obviously you did have some stuff to say about the way things yes. have changed there certain, today. Yeah, depictions of attitudes that and like terminology and stuff like that that was very dated. Yes. But on the whole, we were actually quite impressed with the level of, like, empathy and dignity and humanity that they gave yes. his character. Mm. Yeah. Was it guest written by someone else? No, 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 no. <laughs> I believe it was David E. Kelly. Yeah. Um, and it is kind of surprising, because certainly in season four, um, <laughs> by the time we get to season four, he's, like, 
can't stop with the horrible transphobic mm. takes. Did like, he write it, it the it's... morning after being visited by a ghost? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, and I literally, so it's like season oh. one, you were really like quite progressive yeah. in this episode, really treated this character well, and then by season four, it's like punch down, punch lines, like, all on the trans characters that it's just really unpleasant at times. Um, and we actually kind of got a bit sort of like, uh, brace yourself, guys. It's another transphobic episode. Like, it was getting quite tiring. I remember your like, CW guy. Yeah. yeah, it just became like the joke du jour for David E. Kelly come season four. I remember that run of episodes you had of Bygones in season four where it did seem like three or four in a row of like the little red clacks and things. Yeah. And everyone was like, yeah, warnings. Yeah. There's a lot of like dodgy <laughs> <FYI>. talking. <laughs> yeah. But that's what's interesting. Like you say, this episode, I mean, I actually remember this episode well because I yes, watched it. Bill when it originally came on and this episode stuck in the memory in terms of being emotional and certainly like you say it's handled with empathy even though there are some things like the casting that wouldn't be done today and such a but what I was going to say is when that episode went out oh bygones episode yeah Yeah. yeah, the episode bygones on that episode went out unprompted you got tweeted by Wilson Cruz himself who had listened to the episode randomly and actually said you had brought him to tears yeah it was so lovely we actually had a little back and forth on uh, on the social media app formerly known as Twitter (laughs) Um, we had this little back and forth with Wilson Cruz like um, chatting about his uh, portrayal of that character and how we were just like, thank you for doing it. I think it was a really, you know, for the time, progressive, like you clearly liked and empathised with your character. Like that came through. And he was great, wasn't he? Because he was, he was very upfront and honest about the episode's failings, even though obviously he doesn't really have to, he didn't write it. No, he's a job, no, a job he's actor. Just an actor. But he, yeah. he was very upfront about it all and kind of admitting that, you know, obviously. Uh, this would not be done the way it was now, yeah. and you know. But he's still proud of the work. And yeah. what, no, yeah, and he, he should it. should be. Yeah. Like yeah. it was a really great episode, and he really did stand out uh, in that season and in the show as, as a whole. Yeah, because of that one episode, hundred percent. But that is why we've got you here today because you are <laughs> essentially our David E. Kelly legal verse expert. <laughs> yeah. You also, I should say, you have covered episodes of the practice as well because there was an Ali McBeal practice crossover yeah there were two episodes yeah I think there was a double episode of the practice um, that was just as strange and melodramatic as Boston Legal (laughs) yeah it was very because Ali McBeal's very very comedic isn't yeah, it? Like, it, it really suddenly those characters into... were in like a hard. Yeah, really. Like <laughs> it was very weird because Ali McBeal is this like such a kooky, uh, you know, like it really leans heavily into that kooky uh, silliness. Whereas clearly the practice was had just a different tone, so it was just very weird to have these <laughs> comic characters suddenly having to play it straight. Is it like the car- you know, the cast of Orange Is the New Black guest starring in Oz? And they're like, oh, <laughs> Jason Biggs ends up in (laughs) all just get shanked instantly. (laughs) But yes, so today we're actually covering two episodes of Boston Legal. Obviously, 
William Shatner starred in all five seasons of Boston Legal as Daniel Crane, but we can't cover all five seasons today. So that's we... why we're doing a new show. <laughs> yeah. It's Boston Legal Minute. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> Paul's just quit the show. <laughs> uh, what, we did, what we decided to do is, for this Christmas episode, cover two Christmas specials of Boston Legal, one in season one and one in season four. In season one, it is the episode Hired Guns, and in season four, it is the episode Green Christmas, and we decided to cover both of those today, and it kind of gave us a kind of overview, because essentially you're watching one episode from season one, so, like, you know, you would think kind of like the heyday. <laughs> the heyday. Yes. Yes. You know, like... Maybe there was, like, three seasons between these two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> it like it. And then one from season four, so this is started perhaps on the downslide, maybe? I don't know. We'll just think. <laughs> Still got season five to explore. <laughs> How low is this? We'll, we'll discover when we get there. But we're going to start with the season one episode. So, Hired Guns, which is season one, episode 10. Now, this is written by David E. Kelly, who I, I must say writes or certainly takes the credit of writing a lot of episodes on his own shows, which is a weird thing for a showrunner in America, especially at this time, to do, where it was all writers' rooms and everything like that. David E. Kelly tends to get the main writing credit on the majority uh, of like his TV shows. Like I remember Annie McBill, you're always like, it's written by David E. Kelly. Yeah, it's by David very e. Kelly. rarely. He might some like once in a blue moon, he will like uh, co-credit yeah, someone yeah, else. Yeah. But that's the thing, because often in uh, it's certainly at that time, it was the done thing in writers' rooms that a showrunner would if another writer is writing on the episode they would not take a credit they would kind of step back so they could that writer could get the whole credit because obviously they're showrunner they're already getting paid a showrunner they don't need that credit clearly David <laughs> with that uh that view and he's like no all credit for me like yeah so uh yeah he wrote this episode from season one it's early doors though maybe you know he's he's still setting up the world and such like that obviously like i say while david e kelly is probably most well known for his kind of uh boston set legal drive they're all set in boston he's now had more recent success with the hbo show big little lies yeah uh literally just announced the other day that they're coming back for a third season nicole yeah, kidman let that. that slip in an interview so that should be interesting i like big little lies good show but this was also directed by dennis smith uh who was a regular director on the practice but randomly only directed one episode of boston legal which was this one um, previously to becoming a regular stalwart TV director, he was a camera operator on lots of films, including Home Alone 1 and 2, Tango and Cash, and Free Willy. So, Some you know. stories there. Yeah, he, he, of Tango and Cash, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, certainly. He's, he's had an interesting career outside of that. So, th this episode, we're, we're talking early doors for the show. So, I, I would say reasonably easy to pick up. And obviously, this is a time when TV shows of this ilk, they aren't really that serialised. They're essentially kind of done in one case of the week. You can watch one and it's actually like really mm. easy to pick up. I didn't really have any issues picking up what was going on in this episode. It was uh, Once you know just the initial setup, you're kind of like, yeah, okay, right, okay, so that person's with that person, okay, and now all these cases they're doing are Pacific mm. for, the, for this week. 
Um, so it was all quite simple. It opens with a Christmas party at the legal firm of Crane, Paul and Schmidt. Uh, so Denny Crane, William Shatner's character, is one of the partners. And Alan Shaw, who's played by Jay Spader, who's the kind of co-star uh, of the show, is just a, a lawyer for them, I think. I don't think he's one of the partners. But him and Denny Crane appear to be kind of best best buds. Mm-hmm. So obviously, I think that's the big draw of the show, isn't it? It's Spader and Shatner. And I would say at this point, obviously, this was a spin-off from The Practice. Spader did like a season of the practice as a regular. And I think it was always designed to set up this show. I don't think it's a case of he became a regular for a long... It was like one season. I think it was very much designed to be backdoor into his own show. This is... uh, Before this, really, Spader's a movie star. He's mostly in films. You know, obviously, Boston Legal uh, starts in 2004... So, I mean, it's not that long from his car Hollywood heyday. Because what year's Secretary? 2002. 2002. So it's, wow, not, it's not long after so that. Close. Obviously, in the 90s, he's doing like Crash, mm-hmm. uh, Two Days uh, in the Valley. Goes out with a bang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it feels like very... And Shatner, obviously, is a legend. Um, so it kind of feels like they've got they've got two big stalwarts there. Yeah. As their well, it's, it's that classic, you know, mid-noughties <laughs> network TV that I'm seeing a lot of nostalgia for at the moment. And, you know, I've just coming to the end of a big Lost rewatch, which has the exact same airing dates as this show. started in the 2004 season. I mean, that's crazy, because Lost feels like you ahead of this. That is just <laughs> pushing the thing. But you, can, you do get that sense of, like you say, Liam, when it's like you get the sense of the relationships of characters, and it has a lot of cross-cutting bits in between scenes, uh, in between bits and everything. And yeah, it was, most of the main cast are coming over from that last season of The Practice. So Spader, Shatner, Rona Mitra and Lake Bell. So in this opening scene, I was like, I had no idea who else was in the show. And yeah. I was like, holy shit, <laughs> Hollow Man's Rona Mitra? <laughs> I, I noticed you're rubbing your legs there. <laughs> like, well, what else is she in? Uh, and Lake Bell, who's uh, who's great. I, didn't, I think this is the earliest thing I've seen her in as well. Yeah, I know. I was like, this is crazy because obviously she's gone on to big things. I had no idea she was in this. I didn't know Rona Mitra was in I didn't know Monica Potter no. was in it, who, of course, was kind of, you know, someone who almost happened in the late 90s well, in two, movies. 2004, big year for her, same year as Saw, in which she is... Uh, yes, so she's in uh, that, yeah. Dr. Gordon's wife in that. Of course. So, yeah, it's it all star cast, essentially. Um, Doesn't do anything with them, but... You know, <laughs> no, 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 I mean, certainly, certainly the women. I mean, Rona Mitra is there to be sexy, that's well, it. Well, this is like, what yeah. I mean. Like, when you were saying how we can just sort of jump into, like, episode 10 of a random show and sort of follow it, it's because it is very much focused on the story of the weeks and barely anything of the serialised stuff. Because I swear, like, Rona Mitra and Lake Bell are peace. They're, they're listed here as, like, the main characters, uh, you know, main cast for season one, at least. And they had, like, a couple of scenes like each with nothing two, to do. Yeah. Yeah, they just yeah, appear yeah. at the party and then they're in the background somewhere. And I'm just like, this isn't how you treat your ensemble cast on a show. And maybe this is where Lost is pushing the boat for because it's like it's actually treating ensembles properly. Yeah, well, yeah. it's weird because Annie McBeal, obviously, was kind of... Yeah, that at, did it right. At the time, celebrated for being this kind of, you know, feminist, uh, yeah. pushing, pushing things forward, like, you know... And while I think, you know, a lot of that, certainly if you watch it now, it doesn't seem that feminist. It certainly had female characters at its forefront. Whereas here, the female characters are very much taking a backseat. It is very much the uh, Spader and Shatner show. And I can help but notice, like, they're very much playing, like, uh, tropes that David E. Kelly, like, 
litters Ali McBeal with. Like, you get a group of women together and they're all catty. Yeah, immediately. The, the opening like, oh, open, they're all like, sparring. Like, it like, just, like, because that's what women do when you get them together. Especially once just... they've had a few drinks at Christmas party. <laughs> 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 I'm just like, what is it? Like, uh, nice dress. I hate you. Yeah, no, no. It's like, shut up, you bitch. <laughs> I mean, talking about nice dresses, Shatner, of course, is found singing a Christmas song what? at this party. Question, how it's long? album did it take everybody as long as it did me before well, it, I didn't realise it was Shat until it actually almost get I, just before it got cut to him singing I wasn't sure it was him because I was like this is I do, is that Shatner because like it's actually quite good <laughs> and then finally when, it, when you actually see him doing it it becomes worse <laughs> and I was like so they redubbed him when he was off screen <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 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 so it was interesting like it was like oh they missed opportunity to do a Shatner oh they have it is Shatner <laughs> um, and they make a make a joke of it but I I always have this thought when it's when Shatner has backing singers when all of them are kind of you know work their asses off to get where they are and are clearly better singers but then they haven't played second fiddle to in red dresses like flanking oh, Shatner like all over yeah, and stuff like, like I was like was this in his contract like if because this is season one episode ten was he like right uh, I have to sing the Christmas song <laughs> at the party flanked by three beautiful. Red dress woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so yeah, straight away I was like, amazing. This is this was a perfect pick for a Christmas episode. Well, yeah, I mean, that was his, that was it, and then it goes down. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I was really into the the Christmas spirit all of a sudden. And then it, then these women started being horrible to each other straight away. I was like, what? And then on? that that also that Christmas party, the one of the lawyers singing at the Christmas, but that yeah, that's a very pulled, out of bill pulled directly from Ali McBeal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, mm. I was like this. When it opened like this, that opening, I was like, oh, this is very animate build mm. style. Like, you know, really feels of a piece. But then we got into the actual episode itself. Mm. And then things <laughs> changed. Because after that setup, I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, this is a real heartwarming tale. Yeah. This, is very, this is very similar. But then we're thrown straight into what is essentially the case of the week which is a quite graphic and serious Murder and trial. violent, yeah. essentially reverse Shawshank Redemption, because it's a woman who found her husband cheating and blew him and uh, his lover mm-hmm. away, which is essentially Shawshank, but in reverse. And that story is obviously handled completely seriously and done as a proper legal drama. And I was actually watching those scenes going, oh, this is quite compelling stuff like yeah this is like <laughs> this is like a decent episode of law and order yeah. or something like you know you've got nikolai from six feet under as the judge yes and, like <laughs> and i was getting quite into it like you know but i was like oh this is weird because occasionally then you'd cut back to scenes of spader and shatner like messing about doing their shtick together and i was like wait just completely is, separate from that this is a plot, very right? odd tonal mishmash yeah. that's this it. Show. That's like, the yeah. thing. it doesn't scream christmas does it because it does. Well, <laughs> you've got the christmas party and then literally the next shot is like these, crime scene photos that yeah, are actually comically far large more photos. graphic like, than i thought they, they i was I, really thrown by the graphicness I, they could easily have been real crime scene photos like just just put in there it's like yeah, we save a bit of money yeah. on that we the only any buddies in the force it's like been shot in the fucking face and it's like they're comically large as well and the jury's just like hey oh what are you showing me this for (laughs) but it is it it is really jarring it feels like two different shows because Mm. the um, the scenes in the courthouse with that murder 
Because I should say, in Annie McBeal, they never deal with things like murder trials or anything. It's always like sexual harassment or something like that. Like, I think, like, you know. They dealt because, with murder like one well, or yeah, two times. Yeah, very rarely. Very rarely. Whereas it's wild for like a court based show. Uh, to do well, whereas this, they are meant to be like this, is obviously a different law firm, and they are meant to be prestigious kind of criminal like attorneys. And, you know, because of that, they're dealing with a very serious case. But it just feels completely at odds with, especially as, like, the characters, the two lawyers who are handling the uh, serious case, I swear they basically never interact with the other characters back no, in the office. No, no. So it's like, it feels like they're in a completely different show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you've got this really square-jawed uh, lawyer guy, and he just feels completely, for a completely serious kind of legal <laughs> drama... And then you're cutting back to uh, William Shatner as Danny Craig go, my balls hurt. (laughs) (laughs) So he just feels very odd. Like, yeah, what's going on here? I mean, I was super into all the court stuff as well. because, And like you say, you point out Nikolai from Six Feet Under. I knew I knew him. Yeah. He's one of those guys. And I looked him up to see, oh, is he the judge in the show? This is the only episode he ever does. Do they have a different judge every episode? Why are they... How many judges live in this city? Well, yeah, I mean, because in Annie Bill, certainly, they have a number of judges who basically run throughout yeah, the show. I would have assumed the judge in a law show would be a regular guest. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, I think, I do not. think it's similar with this. I have a feeling that another Star Trek connection, Armin Scheimerman, uh, mm. Quark, is one of the judges who's more regular on Boston Legal. Right. Um, and certainly another... Judge Shimmerman. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you guys both watch this on Disney Plus? Yeah. 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 Well, obviously, did you catch the fact that there's a next time trailer at uh-huh. the end of the episode, which is an odd thing for an American show this time, where actually within the show, um, there's a next time, and who was in the next time? Was it Shimmerman? It was Rene Aubergeois, oh. uh, Odo from Deep Space Nine, who becomes a regular in the show. And uh, Shunman appears in multiple episodes as a judge, I think. Hello, Brian. What are you doing in my chambers? First, let me extend my condolences. Please leave my chambers, Paul. We have a very difficult job to do, which you can certainly understand, if not appreciate. You're profiteering off my wife's death if you came in here looking for my sympathies. Only your cooperation. You won't get it. I'll ask you again to leave. My friend. I'm certainly not your friend. As part of our defense, we will be trying to focus suspicion on other suspects. I asked you I to- think you need to hear me out. So, you know, there are other Star Trek connections with the show. It just happens in the Christmas specials. They didn't appear, unfortunately. But, you know, so that's, that's cool. There are multiple Star Trek connections here, but obviously Shatner being the main one. So what did we think of Danny Crane? <laughs> like, I, just I, a non-character a, a multi-Emmy award winner. I don't get How? it. Because, like, I mean, he won an Emmy for the, obviously the, the practice. Before he joined the show, and then so one, what, one, Shatner was in the practice as yeah. well. Like, yeah, I didn't yeah. realize and then, that. Then, then, yeah, and then, then, Spider was, and then spun off into this and won another one. But it's just um, when I watched the pilot, I was like, I just don't find it amusing when it's like there's such a it, none of it. None of it matters. He can do edit, say or do anything he wants, but it's like there's no kind of like character problems because he just he's completely immune or un doesn't understand like what's happening or doesn't seem to know what's going on mm. like and it's all blamed on this kind of impending alzheimer's which kind of yes. gets to later on yes. it's like 
is he going mad? Is he losing his mind? I was like, well, clearly the guy's completely loose cannon. <laughs> anyway, but yeah. I, I don't find that a compelling character. No. I feel like because because no, he's completely insulated from the um, real world, the real world and the, his actions. Yeah, it feels like it, it's Shatner's walking <sighs> onto a set and saying lines. Yeah, well, because he's, he's a partner in this hugely prestigious law firm. Mm. So obviously, it's a time when early noughties, you know, basically, if you're a powerful white man, no one's going to question you. And so essentially, he can come on and be. That's obviously the joke in terms of obviously the setup is meant to be that uh, Spader's character is a Democrat, Shatner's character is a Republican, and yet they are best mates because, of course, you know. It's not a very funny joke, is it? Politics (laughs) politics doesn't come between friends, guys. I think it's just like the impunity with which he acts, like, it's just not a funny running joke. Mm. Yes, yeah, yeah. And that there's no consequence of him. It's like, oh, hilarious to see the, the japes of this. Well, yes, and I think, you know, a lot of the episodes, from my the impression I've got, involve him getting into kind of scrapes and then them having to get him out of it. I think he might shoot a homeless man in one episode. <laughs> that uh, right. like, like, you know, and they have to defend him against that because he does shoot he can't a stop lot of shooting. people. Because, I mean, you know, in this episode, uh, basically, apart from the murder trial that's going on, the other main storyline is that... Uh, Christmas Tale is about, like, <laughs> yeah, a man there, kidnapping there his children. Yeah, yeah, there's a man who basically kidnaps... He, a divorced man who kidnaps his children every awesome. year at Christmas. And basically, the cops won't do anything about it because apparently like he always brings, brings them back. <laughs> um, so Denny and uh, Alan get involved and basically take it upon themselves to try and get this guy stopped and arrested and his children taken away. And then he turns up at the offices with a gun and holds um, Alan Shaw, played by Joe Spader, hostage. Uh, which actually has one of the funniest moments of the episode where uh, Spader was held at gunpoint and he says, Sir, I must tell you, the last time a man pointed a gun at me, they shot me and it hurt. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Spader at this point, I mean, I will say, I think this is because it's early doors in the show. I said Spader and Shatner are firing on all cylinders in terms of, I think they're both giving good, fun performances. You know, they're obviously still having fun with the material. Yeah. Even if Paul isn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would say with Spader's thing, I think this is the beginning of the end for Spader. He's just like... He's, he's just, only done 10 episodes. I don't care. <laughs> like, it's, he's just like, he's doing this kind of so self-assured, unflappable, you know, monotone delivery, which then he carries through to his other successful show, Black Hat. Yeah, uh, the, the blacklist. Blacklist, where he wears a stupid fucking. Which hat. Is, is is that still on? Is it still on? <laughs> yeah, it's it's oh keep going. God, because well, yeah, you're right. Because I noticed the other day, I, I was exactly the same character. Yeah. Then I, oh, really? I, was, I, was, I was looking up Spader, going like, yeah, where is he, man? Because he hasn't done a movie since Age of Ultron in 2015. Oh, and it's God. because that's right well, that's when not the movie. That's a, that's a and that's, that's a voice part ride. Take that, Scorsese. Yeah, and it's like, and that was right when Blacklist was starting. And I think, yeah, I think it's 10 years of the blacklist, five years of Boston Legal. So and like, he was in the office as well. In the office. The so he must one. have just been like, you know what? Network TV, it's regular work, yeah. can pay my mortgage. Yeah. There. yeah. 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 Sliding to retirement. Whereas Shatner is acting like a man who is just in TV retirement and this is all he's asked to do. And it's like, and that's the weird thing. Because to win an Emmy, I'm sure he has some shining moments. Not these episodes. Because <laughs> yeah. there must be bit, there must be episodes in this show that ask something of him. Which he delivers. Well, you usually have to submit one episode to the board, <laughs> don't you? Like, you have yeah. to pick the bet, the jewel in the crown, and go, 
Can you just judge us? I'll have to see one. which one he was submitted. Oh, yeah, be interested yeah, to see where be... he's submitted for. I mean, because we I know think... he's got it in to like deliver the goods. I mean, I will say that I, I think I'm kinder on uh, certainly their performances at least than maybe you guys, especially Shatner. Like, it's a different I, show. This is it. I think they are fun. I, th- um, I think we are seeing to. Whiplash on this episode particularly because it's like, it's Christmas, so it should be lighthearted. But the two, the A and B story is like the darkest things ever. Probably more than like the rest of the show. So it's a weird Whiplash anyway. And then like you say, that part of the cast doing the court stuff versus what Shatner and uh, Spader are doing. He's jarring. 100%. Like one's a sitcom and one's a network drama. And yeah, although a sitcom most. that involves Shatner basically becoming John McClane, <laughs> and like suddenly there, there's the whole moment he turns up, but he somehow managed to get back in the office despite the fact that there's this man with a gun. He's been on his balcony the whole time. Yes, somehow. yeah, something like uh, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That's my, the favorite, my favorite <laughs> bit is him coming back in, there's two women on his couch. So why are you women in my office? And he's like, I think I understand. Let me just go out close off. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was funny. But, yes. Um, yeah. Other than that, <laughs> that was the one joke. Yes, it was funny. And then they tell him what's going on. See all the police outside. We must have a jumper. I hope it isn't Paul. Denny, you know what's going on. Why are you women in my office? You really don't realize what's happening. I think I do. Let's take off our clothes. A man has a gun trained on Ellen Shore out there. That's why the police are here. Out there? He's threatening to kill him. Why didn't anybody come and get me? All right then. Are you mad? Mr. Ben, I really don't think that's a good idea. It's a fantastic idea. Denny, the police are already here. Yes, I can see they got everything under control. Sir, we just want to have a conversation. If that phone even rings, I'll shoot! Do you hear me? Tara, when I say open, you open that door. I suddenly will not. I'm an ex-Marine. I was a trained sniper. Or was it a pilot? This guy oh. should not be handling a weapon. <laughs> I mean, this is the bizarre thing about it, isn't it? Because you go, when he was putting that together, you go, he's going to fuck this up, right? <laughs> and then mm. he is the hero. Delivers like, because, like a perfect shot. Yeah, he says, like, basically open the door at this perfect point and he shoots the guy, absolute crack shot, and takes him out. And it explodes and blood everywhere. Yeah, yeah, he, he shoots him in the arm. Yeah, he shoots him in the arm. Yeah. And well, he, I was like, but, is that an but, air pellet gun? What is that? But he says, know. no, it's a proper gun. It's a sniper rifle. Like he's And he saves Spader. And it is that kind of thing of like, oh, okay, so you've had your cake and eat it here because not only are you a comedic comedy character but you're also the badass hero yeah and i think that's what we see in the second episode as well it's like you can do all these things but getting away with it like yeah. and, and it's like there's no way you should you know win that case in the second episode oh no no not at oh, all oh no no yeah we'll, we'll move we'll move well, on anyway, to but, the... it's a, but that's the thing he wins the case here but like, like you know it's the case of like i can do what i like i can yeah. I can shoot whoever I want to shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I'm a white rich man, basically. Yeah, doesn't the guy um, say, like, oh, I'm a Republican, doesn't the, Doesn't the policeman question him and say, like, oh, did you think, you know, Spader was in danger and that's why he shot? And he goes, like, no, I just, just shot. And they're like, just take him out. Great one, sir. We'll be going. Here's your mess. Here are the keys to the city. Um, but, but yeah, these... I've already got them. <laughs> I got them in episode three. Yeah, Season one, episode three. That's all it took. But this ends with a scene between Spader and Shatner, which apparently 
is a running theme yes. for this well, show. In the pilot for uh, sure. Uh, yeah. Apparently, every single episode always ends with a scene between them, usually sitting on the balcony with cigars. In this case, they're sitting, I think, just inside, looking looking outside, but they're having a chat. And apparently, every episode ends like that, mm. with them having a scene together, which I liked. I liked that kind of duologue between them. And, you know, those moments, I can see, are kind of like the high points of the show, because you've got... Spader and Shatner, both talented kind of actors together, having a little kind of scene between each other. And, you know, I actually thought quite sweet because essentially Denny tells Alan at the end of this episode that he loves him, which actually genuinely quite kind of moving and lovely. And it's got a Christmas song playing in the background. You know, I do think the hypothesis of it's a Democrat, it's a Republican, they're besties because, you know, politics doesn't come through friends. I think we've learnt that's bollocks like, <laughs> yeah. o- over the years. But this is very much, that's very a, David, show of its time, a, a, a David E. Kelly kind of idea at its forefront. But I I will say, I mean, and I feel like maybe I'm in the minority, but I enjoyed this episode. This episode, I enjoyed and thought, yeah, I can see it. Was, yeah, it wasn't amazing, but I was like, oh, I can see why at the time, at a time where network TV, you know, 2004, we're beginning to move into the prestige TV era. But at that time, it was like the things like The Sopranos, The Six Feet Unders, The Deadwoods. They are like the jewels in the crown, few and far between. There's still smaller shows on. It's pre-streaming and it's a case of a show like this could still get by. And I was like, yeah, I can see why this was liked at the time. Like, you know, yeah, from like, watching this episode. I like elements of it. Like I said, like you said earlier, like I think the court, like the murder trial was engaging mm-hmm. um, when it was on. It, it's just the weird tonal mishmash. I do think Ali McBeal did mm. better Christmas special. Well, I was going to say, uh, how, how does this episode, this, this yeah, way up com- compared, compared to Ali McBeal? Uh, well, Ali McBeal does have like, bum notes with with Christmas specials that in like a couple of the seasons but a lot of them I I remember really enjoyed because there's a lot more partying there's a lot more music there's yeah. a lot more like well, we have that resident magic band that's always around right resident who band that's always around. yes yeah yeah, yeah. Vonda Shepherd yeah. like is always playing at the bar always playing Christmas songs. <laughs> Get like, a real jam. <laughs> yeah. And it just, it, it always made an effort to inject like some Christmas magic. Yeah. Into the episode I, in a way that yeah, <laughs> Boston Legal does not try to do. Well, it's basically, it's kind of like um, a header and a footer, isn't it? Because you've got the opening, which is the Christmas party, and then you've got the end, which is Denny telling Alan he loves him with a Christmas song in the background. And they are talking about Christmas as well in that final scene. So those kind of, it's like the bookends Oh, yeah. Christmas, and then everything in between is. Well, that's where well, they, they have to sort of actually always argue to try and shoe on Christmas into the opening statements. Yeah. So they're like, better make that a point that we mention Christmas. Like, and, yes. and then it's very cynically, you know, a cynical way of doing it, isn't it? Like, it's um, that's clearly part of their case to try and win over the jury. So, yeah, I was just expecting a bit more of a kind of through line about Christmas being involved with the case mm. somehow. Yeah. And it wouldn't be yeah. that hard to write it into it. But in well, that's more. the thing. Ali McBeal would always have, like, oh, 
this shop is suing Santa or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it yeah. was. It's the not. Case yeah, it's was... not that that murder is not Christmas. No, it is, <laughs> it is not festive yeah, in, in any way. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, she could at least killed them like last Christmas, and it's taken a year to get to town. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, well dressed as Santa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, well, no, perhaps she was. She was dressed as Mrs. Santa, coming home for husband found her husband dressed as Santa fucking the other woman and then she was like dressed as an elf (laughs) exactly just go bring some yuletide cheer into proceedings it's funny because it is kind of clever as well like I liked how that storyline resolved of them sort of semi-tricking the other lawyer into asking about the the, the lack of consciousness and amnesia thing that comes over the person so it's like she Mm. did it but it wasn't her fault and then the judge actually having a go at them being like uh this game you know don't fuck her (laughs) up What I found interesting, just in comparison to Ali McBeal, is I felt like those two lawyers from the Boston legal firm, whatever it's called again, like... um, Were reasonably competent? Well, not only reasonably competent, but were acting like a team, like they actually talk strategy with each other. Yes, yeah, Whereas in Ali McBeal, all the lawyers are like complete mavericks, never never conferring with anyone else, and they'll just pull some mad stunt out Well, it's the biscuit, isn't it, John Cage? Like. uh, yeah. Yeah, but other others do it as well. But like, I was like, wow, I don't think I've ever seen the two <laughs> lawyers like have strategy before. Like, this is like new novel. Good <laughs> <laughs> cop, bad cop routine, wasn't it? Like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I also like that they left it slightly unresolved whether she had done, mm. she was done. I, I, you know, you still kind of don't know at the end. Yeah, it's very ambiguous. Ambiguous. I yeah. thought that was clever to leave it there. I'm saying yeah. unresolved. Mm. Yeah, that was an interesting idea. I didn't know. I was like, I wonder how much truth this has in kind of actual mental kind of like, like uh, yeah. Like, but like, yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I it like, was interesting. I like that you could, you know, see that there was uh, like an emotional toll on the defendant. Being yes, like, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know whether I did this or not. Yeah, like, and also and they're quite honest that the um, Monica Potter's character doesn't believe she's innocent. Yeah, like, but he's like, well, yeah. I'm still defending you. Yeah. What about you, Matt? What did you think of this? Yeah, I quite liked it. Like I say, like all that court stuff I did, and I think it was really carried a lot by by that team of Monica Potter and the other chap and the judge guest star. Like I say, I really enjoyed him, and I was trying to you know place him the whole time I was watching it, <laughs> but I was like, he's really selling me in this one in this one guest spot. So you know, I don't know how you can pull in the other characters into one of the main storylines here, or very just separate the two, the A and B, like you do at this time. But I think in doing so, it really highlights just which ones work and which ones don't. But yeah, very odd choices to do such hard-hitting cases on a Christmas one, as we've said as well. And it's like, you got to think that's got to be somewhat deliberate, right? Unless every episode is just horrendously dark. <laughs> well, that's the thing I find, I find odd about it, is the, just the tone. It's just so weird. It, this time, yeah, it's very, it's very much a mishmash of tones. And I suppose that probably comes from being a spin-off from The Practice, which was a, a, mm. a serious show. You know, I'd say The Practice far more serious than this or um, Ali McBeal. And you've got characters coming from that, but then they're clearly wanting to recapture some of the animate bill magic as well. So it's this weird yeah. kind of split between them. But the tone, I would say, will, as the show progresses, certainly based on the evidence of the second episode, will be reviewed today. Definitely lean more into the silly 
as things go on. Well, because... it's, it's funny, I will say on the last point and the other one, it's uh, it almost made me laugh. I'm sure this is how it was done back then with the sort of massive cardboard blown up photographs of the crime scene. Because they were so big <laughs> and so high def, I was like, this is almost like a like a naked gun skit or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. The jury just being faced with these like wall-sized images of gruesome murder. It's like, oh my God, scarring me, please. So we're going to move on to the second episode, which is in season four episode 10 so we're fast forwarding three years onto season four this is the episode green christmas written by sanford golden karen Wiscarva, and craig turk who are all regular writers on boston legal and no david e kelly this time he's he's given up by season four <laughs> and directed now this is an interesting extra star trek connection directed by lou antonio who was a stall TV director, but before they became a TV director, they were an actor. And they starred as Loki in the Star Trek original series episode, Let That Be Your Last Battlefield. Oh, so one of the two, the black and white face people. He is, oh. he is the black and white person who isn't uh, Frank Gorshin from yeah. Batman. Well, Loki, it's a pleasure to see you again. This time I'm sure our joining will be of a more permanent nature. Captain, you ought to be congratulated. Never before has Loki been rendered so quiescent. I will not return to Sharon with him, to a land of murdering oppressors. I told you where you were going. I allowed your fellow countrymen here simply as a courtesy. And you see how this killer repays you, as he repays all his benefactors. Benefactors. He's a liar. He raided our homes, tore us from our families, herded us together like cattle, and then sold us as slaves. They were savages, Captain. We took them into our hearts, our homes. We educated them. Yes. Just education enough to serve the master race. Yeah, he that's what he did. So he's got a Star Trek connection. He probably would have yeah. met Shatner. And that's our Christmas Batman and Robin connection. Back to the, the Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we we covered that a couple of years ago as well. So that was really interesting. I was like, it's because when you look him up on IMDb, the photo is him as one of the black and white people from that episode. And I was like, what? That's weird. And I my first thought was like, because he's a TV director, I was like, did he direct that episode? I was like, oh no. Like he was in it. Like, yeah, so yeah, so he obviously went on to be a TV director. Uh, so that's really interesting. But yeah, so we're now into season four and it is all change. I mean, this is the bizarre thing of just watching two episodes of a long running show because obviously we've just watched the episode from season one. We've got used to the cast that is in there. We get to season four, all the entire regular cast, literally everyone is gone apart from Shatner and Spader. Definitely. All the other people, there's no Rona Mitra, there's no Monica Potter, there's no Lake Belt, there's no Square Jawed guy from the. Um, oh, not Square like, Jawed. From, from the court. <laughs> that he's, 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 he's gone. Like, I think literally everyone is gone. And I was like, Jesus. I was like, they literally couldn't hold on to any of the supporting cast. But, like, it, it everyone was just like, one season's enough. Yeah, yeah clearly. <laughs> but, I mean, literally, they just clearly play Shatner and Spader, the big bucks. Well, do, everyone else popped off. I think, Eleanor especially, if this is a case, obviously not having seen the rest of the seasons, no. they're not being strong enough 
serial elements, which Animate Bill at least seems to have, like relationships yes. between people and everything. If the rest of Boston Legal episodes are like the first one we saw, <laughs> and there's no connectivity and it's just random bullshit, then yes. is there any surprise that people just went, yeah, I'm done, actually? Got bored and yeah. were like, mm. yeah, I... I'm worth more than this. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, <laughs> So we now have regulars. Candice Bergen, of all people, is a regular the show. Uh, uh, along with uh, Tarara P. Henson. They're, they're uh, the they, new regulars. They're community as well, isn't it? Yeah, Yvette Nicole Brown. Yes, yes, Yvette Nicole Brown. Yeah, who... Randomly, uh, liked something I did on Twitter not too long ago. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what it was. Like, uh, like I, oh, it was I tweeted about an episode of Succession, and she was like the first person who liked it, <laughs> and she like retweeted it, going like, yeah, just like, I was like, this is random. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. so there you go. But basically, this starts off in the Christmas spirit with Denny William Shatner himself wearing antlers. As he shoots an environmentalist with a paintball gun. Um, because it turns out that basically one of their biggest clients is some kind of, you know, environmental group. And they're outraged for some reason about kind of, you know, all the electricity they use at, at Boston Legal or whatever it's called. And um, Denny decides to shoot him with a paintball gun in kind of... Uh, he, also, he also has like a, an arsenal of weapons on his deck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he's just randomly polishing all his weapons. He's lost his mind. He could easily have picked up the wrong one and blown the man away. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would have been an interesting start. To I did episode. have to laugh that, yeah, the, the two episodes we choose to watch both feature Shatner shooting a lot of guns. But it's like... Is, is this that, every episode? Is, it, yeah. <laughs> is this an isolation or every episode? I, I get a feeling this is every episode. Now, this, <laughs> this, this very much feels like, despite the fact that David E. Kelly's name is not on the writing credits, oh. obviously he is the showrunner, I feel like this is his sticky fingerprints all over it. <laughs> In terms of this feels very much like, I mean, someone at some point... Written by Shell. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, someone at some point literally almost says, calm down, dear. Like, yeah, in regards to... Basically, Basically, this is a oh, crazy environmentalist. Like, this is put They've gone, it's gone too mad. far. <laughs> like, yeah, in terms of... Because there's literally uh, a very... Which I think is very reminiscent of Alien Bill. Mm. A big speech from one of the lawyers uh, towards the end where they basically just go, hey, all this crazy environmentalism we can all like you know turn the light off when we go back but no more than that right guys which now obviously this episode looks so fucking dated oh, uh, yeah, now we're aged. you know we're actually seeing I think the, the worst effects of climate change of this is that the the environmentalist like starts to like, look like he's being convinced by the argument it's like yeah oh I was just a bit silly really <laughs> yeah. well, also he doesn't know what the fuck he's chatting about because literally the <laughs> The lawyer, the female lawyer, turns around and gives him some facts about kind of basically how eating meat has Eat been proven. One hundred one hundred one. It's like you would definitely know this if yeah, you were like exactly. this. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is the thing because I was like, I fucking know this. Yeah. At the end of the day, I know this just from James Cameron. That's why it's clearly coming from a writer who's like, I want to have a character who lambastles this stuff, <laughs> then he gets tripped up or turned. Yeah, he's by the like, because I personally oh, yeah. want to eat all the meat. So. Yeah, that's the thing. He's literally going like, oh well, obviously I'm not going to stop eating meat. Oh my god, my values. <laughs> like, it was such a weird argument in terms of like because the whole case is about this guy is is suing them for presenting themselves as a green company when yeah. they are not a green company. Yeah. So now he wants his the money that he I don't know invested in their company back or something. 
And it was just like, that whole argument was like, uh, but you eat meat. So, uh... <laughs> oh, no, you got it. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, five fruits aren't so great. You're so, yeah. quite the hypocrite, really. So, case closed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just, Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? I rest my case. It was. It was. Bizarre. It was Lionel Hutz. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not wearing a tie at all. <laughs> it is that thing. It's just clearly everything about it has been custom made to be like, oh, these fucking crazy environmentalists. And, you know, it, literally there's a scene... Shatner's where, right to shoot. Yeah, yeah, well, saying. there's a yeah. scene where um, Shatner is in a kind of, like, you know, meeting. He just can't stop it. Them, and he keeps pulling out, like, an air rifle and shooting them, like, secretly. And it's just like, what the fuck is oh, going on? We're, so meant, we're meant to applaud him. Be like, oh, hilarious. Like, you know, nice one, Shatner. I'm like, shoot. someone get the tranquilizer gun and, like, take this guy out. <laughs> in, in, in this episode... We've two of the Shatner at this point. <laughs> in, in this episode, we actually have scenes... Too much mess. <laughs> In this episode, we actually have scenes of Shatner being taken to the hospital and being told that basically he's got like early onset or Alzheimer's and essentially in six years it will come on I was like I think it's coming already mate wait a sec or you've got no excuse for acting like a fucking arsehole yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. well also the doctor is a very bad bedside manner because he goes to him like hey you you fucking drink you smoke you're 75 you'll be fucking dead in six years anyway mate so don't worry about it <laughs> Merry Christmas everyone <laughs> <laughs> <Case> closed <laughs> <laughs> like you're a doctor I must, I must say I did think that scene where Spader and Shatner go to the hospital yeah because there's they're holding, holding hands. they're holding hands yeah, and I, I did think that was sweet I, I did think, yeah there's, there's a couple of green shoots of you know of goodness in this in this episode yeah. and that was one of them and, I, and again, I also think the final scene. Yes, the, the final part, scene is. Really it's great. Good. It is a pretty much a monologue from Shatner about like mm. you know his immortality, mm. his mortality, and kind of. Like it genuinely pushed things up a bit for me. Like yeah. that that final yeah. scene, yeah. really good. But yeah, I just did not vibe yeah. with any of the kind of environmental like subplot. Yeah, and awful. his behaviour was like just awful. It was not it, funny. It was just no. terrible. Virtue signaling in completely the wrong direction. And also, we've seen an episode, a season one and a season four now, and it's like. If in the season one one he was acting like a completely normal guy, and then we can imagine this character arc leading to season four when he's starting to lose things a bit. But really, we we look at him season one and go, yeah, you probably got Alzheimer's. Then it's season four until they're saying you're going to have Alzheimer's. It's like what's he been well, doing that entire time? Six years as well. I was like, like yeah, they're really going for season ten, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, are you sure he hasn't got it already, mate? Like, uh, like yeah. yeah, in terms of yeah, it's, I'm it's like, very. So odd. when are we taking away his gun? <laughs> yeah, okay, uh, well, I expect his uh, to go like, oh, so wait, so he'll have it in six years. So doctor, what's the excuse for all the other mad shit he's doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just say that's why I don't like this character at all because there's no latitude for change. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. He's just remained the same. It's the one trick pony. You can do the same witch. Yeah. Came out the gate being that strange and then tried to label it four seasons into a five season show. Yeah, yeah. This is too late. And the other storylines in this episode don't work either. The, the, the storyline about the iPhone is bizarre because I actually look, uh, yeah, I ended up looking this iPhone, up whereas like, they've got characters like you know who's claiming his partner has left them for an iPhone and I actually had to look up being like 
wait, what's that? This episode came out in 2007. When did the iPhone come out? And it, of course, it came out in 2007. So this is like a topical yeah. episode. I remember both watched, yeah, when we were in Vegas this year. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. iPod commercials, like, yeah, you know, yeah. huge noise. Uh, like, and I was like, what is this Apple about? over the world. Like, yeah. someone genuinely worried that, like, iPhones are somehow going to, like, you know, preoccupy their, their women. It's like her or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> really, really weird, like, storyline. Didn't get that at all. And then the other main story of the episode is um, Alan, Jay Spader's character, fighting for another of the new characters we've never seen before, is having their like house taken away by the an evil bank. But it's, 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 it's the credit crunch, isn't it? Yeah, it's right before 2000. And he's fighting the bank. And for a second, there was a scene early on where Kenny from Frasier stars as the oh, bank yeah. manager. That's who it was. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And yeah. he um, was kind of like, he has this speech where he's kind of making out like, we went to feel sorry for banks. And I was like, Please don't say you're going to try us, mate. Feel sorry for Banks, David E. Kelly. And then, like, and then by the end, you're like, oh no, they they, they aren't. He's kind of, you know, yeah, actually, they basically thwart the bank, and it's all okay. But I just so, thought, yeah, like off. that that moment where it's like, oh, kick us when we're down, one, don't you? Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like. Oh, Sorry, am I supposed to be playing like the world's tiniest violin? Well, he's wearing like a gold chain. <laughs> but, but you know, as we know now, of, you know the, the cost of living crisis and you know mortgages uh, going through the roof. I was also just like, but yes, like they are within their rights to do this, and like that's just the sad fact of the situation. It's not his fault, but that's the way it operates. It's like I don't see how you can kind of like just threaten them with James Spader and then suddenly they're going to like yeah, pull he, over he does go, kind of act, we'll do as a spoke deal just for you he does like, kind of act like the guy's losing his house as like his kid and he's been bullied on the playground he's like I'll go speak to the parents and get him to overturn whatever the teachers and stuff it's like well, that it's, kind it's of it's very much a like you oh, know it's like, it's, oh, basically, uh, it means that nobody could ever lose money to a bank because they could go before a jury and the jury's going to go Bank's bad. People, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And it's like no well, it's contracts mean nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's it's Capra, isn't it? It's an yeah. unrealistic um, fuck the man moment in terms of you know I adore Capra, but obviously if you look his films, very idealistic. They're very much about kind of you know the little man uh, winning over the big man and things actually going right. Well, as we know in reality, that's not the way it works. And it's kind of playing on that trope of going, yeah, if you've got James Spader on your corner, you're going to be okay. Unfortunately, most of us don't well, have James Spader on our corner. Well, also, we don't know what James Spader is capable of because we've not seen him in these episodes. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Just sort of takes out and just basically just bullshits along and feels like, you know, says, I can, you know, you don't want to get me in front of a jury, you'll be annihilated. I'm like, well, I'll just have to take it on you. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. yeah, we haven't actually, in these no, two episodes, true. we don't see him in front of I, the jury. I think in the point you do, like, uh, I recall, like, I think because he has to, he has to do a show, uh, a, a trial, a show trial. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure so. he butts heads with, like, a swear guy. Like yeah. who's because he just turns up and goes, okay, we're doing it this way. And he's like, who are you to come in here and tell us what we're doing? <laughs> I'm James Spader, star of Crash, Two Days in the Valley, <laughs> and Secretary. You didn't even mention Stargate. Sex lies and videotape. Ever heard of them? <laughs> Pretty in pink. I was the answer. <laughs> Don't mess with. <laughs> but although in the next time trailer on this one we saw clips of Shatner getting in court and looking like he's like completely fucking up well let's think well, like, what do they do for their money Spader <laughs> yeah I know what do you do it's like just have hijinks and just threaten people and then actually not go to court 
<laughs> That's all they have to do. Then be like, held hostage. <laughs> uh, so this time the Christmas party is at the end of the episode, rather <laughs> than yeah. the beginning. But you've got more babes like singing and everything like that. <laughs> more like, mistletoe uh, hijinks. Are they dressed yeah. up as reindeers, or did I imagine it's that? Definitely more leg on show this time. Yes, Even more, yes, I mean, yes. like, indeed. It's all on show. But like, uh, you no, know, Denny's got some wearing some antlers at the start. Oh, I don't is know that if that's it? what you're thinking. Yeah, of. maybe that's. Um, there's that other random lawyer character who's like getting the pity kisses at the end. Who's just like, well, it's the oh, iPhone yeah. loser. Yeah. Oh, that's the iPhone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean the new regulars aren't aren't that compelling. I mean, I love Henson; she's a brilliant actress. Um, in other they things, gave her, like, but you know, she's got do. nothing to do here. Yeah, so this episode is a real like you could tell the quality has gone way down. There's no serious stuff anymore. This is just completely silly now. Yeah, they're like, who are we kidding? They <laughs> <laughs> you know who we are. <laughs> Let's get silly. <laughs> there was an element of like this just felt like daytime TV around the first. Yes, season. yes. It felt yes. like it's like aside from like the fucking two in the computer crime scene photos. <laughs> uh, you know, it was other than that, it was just like I can see to be just doing their ironing to this. Yeah, but, pure diagnosis murder. Yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 very much that kind of thing. I mean, that's the thing. Did I tell you the story of like Theo first saw a gun? So my son, when he was like, when he watched Boston Legal, <laughs> so he saw Shatner handling the gun. No, it was. I think he was like one and a half, and like TV came on, and it was like we'd obviously not show any films of guns or TV shows. Of guns. Yeah. But then it'd be like it was just opened up, and it was like Prepped. murder. She wrote, and it was the, it was the murder at the beginning of she wrote, and so he just got shot in the back, you know, and he just jumped. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, like, that was it. His introduction to the world of death and murder. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's his <laughs> Did he watch Boston Legal with you? No. no. <laughs> Funny thing is, I haven't know. Well, I was watching it whilst I was preparing a lamb curry, and um, so I had it like on a phone next to next to my, my cooking station, and. Um, <laughs> and uh, but, they, but when episode finished and I went on to the next which I'd chosen and uh, Sophie's like are you binge watching TV I was like no I'm just watching two episodes it's like that for me has been this is for the podcast <laughs> <laughs> just to find it was just like don't judge me very out of I think she thinks it's early on to Alzheimer's <laughs> okay, yeah no it's not uh, you know Sophie Binge watching something like Bones is your proviso. Well, like, you know, did I do it on the podcast already? Like, about the whole time where I, ca- I actually calculate how much TV she'd watch in a year? Just, like, <laughs> I don't think so. Well, because, like, they had this whole argument. like, you just, just like, you know, between you watching movies, I'm like, okay, we'll, see, well, I'll calculate. Yeah, hold on. Wait a second. Letterbox tells me how many hours I've watched in a year. Yeah. And let's see, because I know you've watched the entirety of Castle. Well, t- t- you to get serialised. You're really game. I know it's the entirety of this other show, and I, like, I calculated, like, how many hours of you and Tyler would be. It was double. <laughs> oh, oh, what I was going to say is like, I'm sorry, but case closed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another episode in Boston Legal. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think the final scene between Shatner and Spader kind of uplifts this episode a little bit. You know, yeah, Shatner's story about having sex with a Christmas tree. I don't tell this to many people, but I once had sex with a Christmas tree. <laughs> and then ending with them smelling each other and stuff and having scars together. It was all quite, quite fun and, you know, it's it's well played and I think it's nice again. They've clearly got good chemistry between each other at this point. And, you know, it kind of you know, lifted things a little bit for me, mm. but not enough. This is a step down from the season one episode. And I think Shatner is it's good in this show. I think, you know, that final scene kind of shows that actually if you have some of Shatner's charisma and calibre around like yeah he can kind of you know lift things up who a little is this bit. show better to 
Shatner or Spader? I think it's better to Shatner. I think Shatner has the more kind of showy part than Spader. Spader is just kind of being Spader of that time. Whereas Shatner, if you think about it, prior to this, he's not really actually done something like this before in terms of like a regular TV role. This is kind of the first thing that I would say that kind of plays off his almost uh, own star persona a bit more. So I kind of think that's probably why it was quite celebrated for him at the time, probably why he won the Emmys, because it was kind of the first thing to really go, oh, he's, he's Shatner in this. He's kind of going full Shatner. Whereas Spader, I kind of think, is just doing something he's done kind of before, really, in a lot of ways. I don't know. I, I can say I don't see Shatner doing, sorry, Spader doing this before, like, necessarily. Right. I don't see that this is part of his persona in the 90s so much. But um, I think it's definitely the hallmark of his post two thousand four yeah, work. The beginning yeah, of what yeah. he is now. Yeah. I mean, I think On he's TV. good. I think I think he's good. I think they're both good. I just think that Shatner's got the slightly showier part, which is probably why mm. he won the Emmys. Um, do you think, I, I think they're both good in it? Do you think a part of those Emmys is like you know when someone gets the lifetime achievement Oscar <laughs> instead of thing? It's like here's Shatner back in the main role. Let's give him a thing because he never got a thing. They watched this episode one well, he's going to have Alzheimer's six years. <laughs> give him that Emmy while he remembers well it. He, he it. drinks and he smokes. He, he might be dead soon. He wasn't going to have it from what was it that shows you like the funniest thing my dad says or whatever like that bullshit oh, show. Oh shit my so dad was, says. That, that was based on like a Twitter thread or something. <laughs> if you move two things will happen. The first the gun getting caught. The second the inverse of that. Say out of it. Call 911. Tell them there's been a terrible accident. Dude, I'm just the internet guy. I don't have internet. I know. That's why I called him. He's putting in the internet. Put that down. You called after I specifically told you not to? Dad, you're being ridiculous. Will you please tell him that everyone has the internet now? Tell him it's my house and I make the rules. It's his house. He makes the rules. Why didn't you tell him about the internet? He's got a gun pointed at my wiener. He's not going to shoot you. Oh, yes, I will. He's just trying to scare you. Uh, it's working. Well, I think, you know, it's, it's fulfilling the promise of, like, you know, his free enterprise cameo where he's, you know, he's really good. It's the first time he's sort of on record almost playing, like, you know, a version of himself. And, um, you know, I think that kind of, he realised there was, like, money in these hills or gold in these hills about, like, you know, just just playing on that kind of persona of, like, Shatner as the, uh, the person who could just be a bit out there. Mm. Like it's a slightly sort of self-aware Very performance. Self-aware. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's a meta quality to it. Yeah. Isn't there? Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's weird, isn't it? Because well, it's, it's just the way he delivers that line about like let's get a close up. It's like you're known as the Lafaria of space of the yes. galaxy. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You've got that baggage. You know, you people. I mean, if people didn't know Captain Kirk, mm. there's no way people would look at Denny Crane going sex symbol. Like you know, yeah. could have that kind of sexual yeah, yeah. kind of confidence. Yeah, yeah. It's playing off like I've I've had it my way my entire life. Yes, I, I, I'm not I'm, I'm not growing changing, up. I'm Peter yeah. Pan yeah. in an old man's body. It's because he was Captain Kirk yeah. that, that he it could have that moment. That yeah. Like you say, yeah. that it works. it's a shortcut to a character. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, otherwise it wouldn't work if it was just someone you'd never seen before. Like if he hadn't had that prior yeah. career, it wouldn't work. But because he's got that legendary status, it's kind of that thing of like even if you're old, once you've had it, you've had it. 
and you'll always be that person yeah. in some degree. And Spader's the kink man of the office. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, <laughs> like Space Cowboys. When I watched that, I my my Clintathon, and I remember like it was just really cool. your waterfall. My Clint. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what did it sound like? Yeah. <laughs> um, it was like Donald Sutherland was like super sexy in it because he was just sort of like had this charm. Like yeah. you know, in his seventies, and because yeah. it's because he was played by a younger actor with his voice coming out. <laughs> no, no, no. It was uh, it was later on. Like it was right, okay. on, as is uh, as is Donald Trump. Yeah. There's always been. I literally that's the thing that's put me off watching Space Cowboys. Oh, it's bizarre it's idea ever. It's where they got younger actors playing them with, with the old voices going out. I know like, it kind of works though. You like, think so? Yeah, oh, it okay. It just, I mean, it's like because you just once it's happening, you like you just buy into like it, a like dub. Yeah, like yeah, you know, really you, you you find it kind of semi amusing. It's like you're not fooling anybody because they're all doing it. Like that's Clint's voice. It's Tommy Lee Jones's voice. Yeah. It's Donald Sutherland. They're so all four voices are iconic. I can't remember the fourth. And they pick and they <laughs> pick, James Garner <laughs> and they pick like the oldest sounding men ever. Yeah. <laughs> but like you talk about like it's 1998. Yeah, I think you so. got Tommy Lee Jones like you know top of his like game, isn't he? So, yes, like, yeah. Yeah. off the off the back of Men in Black, and yeah. all of them yeah. are somehow still alive <laughs> except. In 1998, oh, Garner's, yeah. now. Garner's yeah. dead. Garner's gone. Yeah, yeah. But Clint, so Sutherland's still around, isn't yeah. he? Clint's still alive, yeah. Yeah, Clint is obviously. Yeah, yeah. But Donald Sutherland, he's someone there every now and yeah, then. Donald Sutherland's still alive. Did we lose yeah. him? No. He's still uh, making a voice cameo in the Hunger Games Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes trailer. Like, oh, well, that's <laughs> archive footage, maybe. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, he's still about. He's yeah. still about. But um, yes, yeah, so this is yeah definitely an interesting case of seeing a show go downhill without <laughs> having to watch all 101 episodes of it. It got to the centenary. Give me one of Shatner's guns now. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, what will be interesting say, Paul, will you be watching more of Blossom Leaf? I don't know. There's a, there's a bit of me that wants to kind of explore just like uh, a Shatner Aubrey noir yeah. moment. I wonder if there's an episode where they kind of like both kind of do so. But like, because I've seen three episodes now and Shatner's doing the same thing, mm. I'm not like, I I went, I watched the pilot because I was on a bit of a Shatner kick and I wanted to see what he was kind of won an award for. I thought there could be something really, you know, great about it. And I just didn't see it. And, I, and I'm watching these episodes kind of confirm for me that I'm not going to, not going to vibe a bit. But, um, you know, there's, there's always possibilities to spot it. You, perhaps you want to hunt down the episode specifically that was submitted for his Emmy. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. But I don't know now. We've done now we've done this, I'm not sure. Because <laughs> you're right, if that's bad as well, then oh no. <laughs> Matt. Will I be watching more? Yep. Um never say never, but never. Um, <laughs> it's like I, I find it quite easy to just sit and lounge around and watch old um Naughties network shows through stuff like Disney Plus. It is quite comforting, mainly because my housemates were also doing Bones. Um, bones! And Bones! <laughs> and another housemate was doing Grey's Anatomy. So I, I walk in sometimes and there's stuff on like that. But um, whether I conscious... I don't have the time to consciously put on any more Boston Legal. But maybe if I was going to do one other one, then yeah, whichever one he won an award for. So I'll see, I'll, see what, I'll see what it sounds like. This is the problem in a lot of ways, isn't it? I've still got more Star Trek to watch. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The, often with stuff like this, it's that case of, like, yeah, it's quite easy going. Like, kind of, like, watch... And if I was laid up in bed all day, like, ill for the rest of my life... <laughs> with a remote across the room. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's on autoplay. Are you still watching? It's been 16 hours. Yes, we shall continue. Something like this. 
Something like this is exactly the perfect kind of thing to watch when you're ill and semi-conscious. Yeah. Well, this um, is I will say that th- this exact era of TV is scratching a kind of nostalgic itch for me from having done Lost Again, and there's a few other ones. Like I know, you yeah, guys, but you Lost, guys, did, but Lost. I mean, the like, good. Uh, I know, I know. Like, but it's from the era, and like you know, you guys did Battlestar again recently, and that was. Like, you right never guessed that the fucking Sopranos were five years before this started. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, Jesus. Exactly. And I was, wa- I was watching this episode going, you know, there's storyline on, you know, environmental crisis and the housing crisis. What is this, 2023? But uh, in a very different way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the problem. It's like, yeah, this is kind of perfect viewing for when you're kind of like, Ill, or it would have been back in the day when you didn't have access to streaming and yeah. this was just showing on TV and you were like bed unable to watch anything but the channel unable to defend yourself but the problem is you're not ill for that long it's like literally you know pining for a simpler time we are living yeah, in chaotic yeah. times and just yes. go like oh when was the last time things were relatively on an even keel and you, yeah. you watch these shows and just go like actually like, it wasn't perhaps as good as I remember yeah. it, it always like, feels I, like this is the era when there was like four channels like, that's, well, channels, that's almost yeah, how it's yeah, yeah. yeah. we had free view uh, yeah. I think you know, I think comparatively aka the friend channel comparatively uh, to now at least but so yeah think, it felt like because that's the thing I, I think, think people are like so bewildered by the uh, paralysis of choice and stuff Yeah, go you know what Pretend I'm in 2006. I'm giving. I think anything yeah. pre-streaming. At the end of the day, if you didn't have something like Sky or satellite or cable, it still feels like essentially there were four channels. Good thing, yeah. like yeah. And I'm not even sure if I had Freeview in 2004 yet. So it's that thing of going like, yeah, it was that time. It was importing like, DVD boxes of shows that you were having. It was a time yeah. where if yeah, you yeah, had yeah, Freeview, you were putting it on like the music channel. Yeah, to watch yeah, music yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching the music like, factory or the like, hits. Yeah, like yeah. that was what you were doing. I still remember it 16 and pregnant. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, think it, I think that era was over. But like, um, yeah, I, I'm with uh, our friend of uh, the party, the Keisha and Harriet. I would probably, if I was going to binge watch an Anil bin, you know, I'd, I'd go 90s. I wouldn't go this... You know, I'd go back further. Yes, go back okay, further. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because Frasier is... did it right when uh, they did Christmas. Yes. yes. Oh, oh, mate. I mean, yeah. Frasier is a whole different level of class. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Regardless this, I mean... You know, there are some of the Frasier Christmas specials are beautiful. Funny enough, the last on screen episode we did was Frasier. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I think that's good to remind yourself like there is great Christmas sitcom material out there. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. I mean, yeah, there's about 20 only Forders and Horses Christmas specials. <laughs> Enjoy and rock this shit. Miami twice. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, yes, I, I don't think I'll be watching any more Boston Legal. Not that I didn't, you know, like I said, that first. First episode of season one, I, I thought was enjoyable. Um, you know, I, I thought it was a fun episode. I could see why, you know, at the time it was reasonably successful. Although apparently it was never a rating smash, but it was critically acclaimed at the time. Like really, weird. like yeah. <laughs> it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a, that's the other way around. That I thought it yeah. yeah, it's a bit weird, isn't it? Because two thousand four, you know, the prestige TV revolution has begun, and you're like. Yeah, okay, so, you know, there weren't as many. It's not like now where there's, like, a prestige TV show every week. 
But it's like, you know, there were... People knew that there was, like, you know, good TV out there. And they were still going, oh, the Boston Legal is great. Like, I was like, really? Really? It's like, but yeah, I guess guess it was. The fast food TV, you know, it's Um, kind of down. Exactly. Uh, Eleanor, I mean, you know, you host a podcast about another one of David E. Kelly's Is this going to be your spin-off series? Will you be following Bygones (laughs) with an episode-by-episode break? down of Boston Legal. Oh, well, because it's the thing is once we've done Ali McBeal, we do want to choose an, another show to continue the pod with. I will be vetoing Boston <laughs> Legal. And you will instead be doing Boston Public? And I'd like to steer kind of away from the David E. Kelly universe. Okay, that's fair. Personally. Um, Can I interest you in LA Law, which is what Tom was a staff writer before he started building his own universe? Like, I'm uh, not sure yeah. about that. <laughs> okay, I mean that's that that's fair. I mean, yeah, like I say, first episode I enjoyed it, perfectly fine. Second episode, not great, but you know, fun fun stuff to explore, and you know, good to see Shatner in another kind of regular role outside of Kirk. Obviously, we've still got to do TJ. At some point, I'd be interested. There's an episode where he arrests Leonard Nimoy, so that's that's a, <laughs> that that's a must watch, of course, in regards to that. So yeah, I would like to see that. But yeah, no, this has been a lot of fun, and you know, I I love doing these Christmas specials. Uh, we've polished off an entire bottle of port, yes, uh, while talking about Boston Legal. Only way we could do it, yeah. That's, that's, that's <laughs> it was what, required. That's what we needed to get us through it. We will be back next year with lots of new episodes. We've got lots of great stuff planned. Uh, we've got to get on. We're already behind yet again <laughs> on all the new Star Trek. We've got Strange New World Season 2 that we're going to cover with Sam Clements and Louise Owen uh, from the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest podcast that go return. Uh, they were with us for our Passenger 57 episode. They'll be back for that. We've also got to do Lower Deck Season 4. And I believe after that, we might actually get a little break before Discovery Season 5 drops. And then the Section 31 movie at some point as well. (laughs) A Prodigy Season (laughs) 2. Yeah, because Prodigy, we saved Prodigy. So that's that's been done. You know, it's like, uh, it feels, for a minute, I was like, oh, it feels like new Star Trek stuff is slowing down. But actually... If I think about it, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> so it literally just announced a cavalcade of shows. Uh, so, yeah, we've got lots and lots of stuff to cover. We'll definitely be doing more on screen as well. Um, as I say, like, we had a bit of a gap uh, between the Fraser episode and this one, mostly because I had to do the meticulous researching that I did for the Spotlight of the Movies list for on screen. But I now have a full database of, of potential on screen <laughs> episodes that we could do so we will be doing lots more of these because there's some really interesting shows uh that various star trek alumni have been a big part of um so yeah we will be going back to that and that will be a lot of fun uh matt where can we find you outside of the spotlight world you can find me at matt brothers 2 on twitter and on my other show is paul dano okay we're in our rachel vice focus mini season over there called vice city uh this is a mini series looking at some choice selections of uh, the wonderful Rachel Weisz looking at her as, as a great character actor. And um, yeah, that'll be carrying on in the new year. Uh, we're having a bit of a Christmas break in the meantime. She hasn't done a Christmas movie? Fred Claus. Oh, oh is she Fred Claus? Yes. Are you doing that? No, oh. but I will. <laughs> yes. I am going to watch it for Christmas, so I'll talk about it on a future app in passing. Captain, 
Incoming message. Hello, Spotlighters. Matt here, just jumping in real quick, because since we have recorded this episode, turns out me and Daryl over on Vice City are doing a standalone Christmas bonus episode all on the wonderful Fred Claus. So that is actually coming out on Christmas Day itself. So you can find that over on our Is Pordano OK podcast feed. And a couple of other quick things while I have you. Following that, we will be dropping another bonus episode where me and Daryl managed to talk to Clancy Brown himself, subject of our previous season. So we managed to chat with the man for an hour uh, a few weeks ago, and that very, very special interview episode will be coming out on January 5th. And then the series will be back in full swing for the rest of Vice City from January 22nd. So head over to the pod feeds for all that good stuff. And one final thing as well, on the same Fred Claus episode, uh, Daryl and I will be hyping up our next season, which is going to be on another character actor. But this time, we're letting the listeners decide who we do. So there's a poll that's already live. You can find the link on our Is Pordano OK socials, and we'll plug it again on the Fred Claus episode. Um, but basically, you can choose between Jimon Honsu, James Hong, Keith David, Hiroyuki Sonada, Tony Shalhoub or Jeffrey Wright. Six incredible character actors. It's uh, an embarrassment of riches. We'd love to do a season on any one of them, but we will leave it up to our wonderful listeners to decide. So throw your vote into the ring and uh, maybe your favorite will come out on top and will be the subject of season nine of the podcast itself. Thank you very much. Back to us in the past. So yeah, follow us there. Is Paul Dano okay? We will be back to Dano focused stuff when we have enough to fill a season, which we're very nearly there. Exciting stuff. And you're on Letterboxd as well? Yeah, Matt underscore bro on Letterboxd uh, for all my lists and ratings. Amazing. Yeah. Cool. Where can we find you on Letterboxd as well, I assume? Yeah. Excellent. Uh, have you got a handle to search? Just, or it... just if they're following you, they can follow me. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, just look on who I've got. I mean, I'm yeah. not following that many people, so you, you can find yeah, Paul yeah, online. Yeah, 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 it's fine. And uh, you can find me at The Demps on Letterboxd. I am on there. I am also on uh, X or Twitter. Uh, but also, you can follow Spotlight at Spotlight Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Eleanor, where can we find you? So I'm on Twitter, Eleanor Parker24. Um, same on Letterboxd. Bygones is Bygones Podcast on Twitter and Bygones Pod on Instagram. And Bygones will be returning soon? It will be. Bygones is not bygone. It will be by return. <laughs> Excellent. Because finish off season four, and then you can get into the lights of season five, featuring guest appearances from such legends as Dame Edna Average, John Bon Jovi, Hayden Panettiere as Annie oh. Bill's lost daughter. Oh, look at the... Fun you've got coming up. Oh my it's god! It's gonna be nuts. That season. Yeah, I really I nuts. genuinely cannot wait for you to cover season five, where they were doing anything they could to grab the ratings. Yeah, uh, before cancellation um, is is gonna be a lot of fun. Harrison Ford did not show up, I presume. 
No, no, I don't think Harrison Ford ever shows up. He's like, I love you, but I ain't doing that. Literally, you would have thought that, yeah, you'd have thought Callista would have pulled some strings there. She'd be like, like please. She's walking around the kitchen and be like, if only we could get a big star. He's like, yeah, imagine that. If only. We'll get lit for another season if you turn up as the new lawyer taking over from Robert Downey Jr. He's like, sorry, I'm too busy doing Hollywood homicide. That was the uh, my favorite joke in Scary Movie Three. Uh, like Leslie Nielsen as the president says, "I wonder what President Ford would do." And looks up, it's a picture of Harrison Ford. <laughs> Incredible! Well, Merry Christmas from all of us at Spotlight, and live long and prosper, people. Live long and prosper. Bells will be ringing. Oh, what a Christmas to have the blues. My baby's gone. I have no friends to wish me greetings once again. Choirs will be singing. 